hope we're really delighted that you are joining us tonight. Glad that you are on here. So thank you for taking the time to uh, join us. Now, last evening, and maybe we'll go back and pull that up. I don't really know. But I I wanted to um, remind you a little bit of where we were at last night. And by the way, as you're coming in, let me remind everyone that we will be taking communion together. So be sure now I've got my uh, communion elements sitting right up here in front of me. So be sure and get yours all ready to go because we are going to take communion together in just a little bit. And one of the things that I want, really want to talk to you about tonight is the war against identity. Now, last night we talked about really from uh, Genesis chapter 15, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, particularly verse 21, is that not amazing that that the Lord himself emptied himself, right? That he might become the fullness of everything we are. It really is an amazing thing. Let me just let you know this real quick. The Lord did not just come to bear your sin, to carry your sin, but he literally became the sacrifice of your sin and for your sin. So he didn't just carry it, but he became that. So uh, welcome tonight, everybody that's coming in and be sure and let us know where you're watching from. There's Elizabeth Garrard up in uh, Northern Kentucky. Why Why do I do that? Why, why do I ask you all, tell us where you're from. And then as soon as I see you all I'm like, oh, I know where she's from. I know where he's from. Uh, but tell us where you're watching from, and uh, we would love to um, uh, recognize each one of you all. I do want tonight to be a little bit interactive, and one of the things that I desire every night when we get on here is I want this experience to be as uh, interactive as we can make it. Uh, Sharon Compton's in Pike County, Kentucky. Did you know that, Jennifer? Uh, Jennifer knew that, and I did too. And uh, so thank you, though, Sharon, for um, telling us, because there are others on here that may not know exactly where you are. See, I was already wrong with Elizabeth. She's actually in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, Davies County, Kentucky. And wow, Elizabeth, we were all uh, watching last night the Bengals and the Bills game, and we uh, certainly pray for that young man had that uh, heart attack right there in that ball game. And uh, we really are praying for him and his family. Uh, I know he's at University of Cincinnati Hospital, right downtown Cincinnati. So you just stand, uh, you be our watchman on the wall in Cincinnati. And we're, we are praying for him for sure. And uh, Sharon is right down near Sookie's Creek. Now, some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all don't know about Sookie's Creek, but you, you, sometimes you just need to load up and go with me and Jennifer out there, um, uh, out there to Sookie's Creek, because it's an amazing place in Pike County, Kentucky. So Linda Elias is watching as well. So we just kind of begin to get people gathering in. I typically put on my Facebook about an hour notice before we go live. I didn't do that tonight. So, but nonetheless, here we go anyway. And we're delighted that you are watching, whether you're watching live or by recording, or maybe you are listening to us on our Awakening Mosaic podcast. And if you are, we welcome you on any of these platforms, and thank you for jumping in and joining us. Now, so last night, we spent some time together. And by the way, let me just say, Jennifer and I had the wonderful privilege today. There's my cousin, Carla. So uh, look, you all, you be good in here, no misbehaving. Um, Carla knows me really well, and she knows that I never misbehave. And uh, she knows that I am, I you know, I've got four brothers, and Carla will tell you in a moment that that I'm just the greatest one. So anyway, uh, that's probably not true, and she may have something to say about that. Uh, but welcome, Carla. I'm glad you're on. So I want to jump into this. You know, I, I really thought a lot today 
Jennifer and I, as you all know, we shared it with you last night. We had an invitation to go to uh, Tallahassee, Florida, the state capital of Florida. And we had the opportunity to gather in a, in a private room with um, leaders from all around Kentucky. I'm, I'm sorry, we weren't all around Kentucky, but we were leaders from all around Florida. And uh, just a number of leaders, not very many, just a room full. Uh, I would guess somewhere between 75 and 100 uh, leaders, pastors and leaders from around uh, Florida uh, gathered with our governor uh, in a private room for prayer before he goes out and uh, receives the second inauguration into uh, the office of governor of the free state of Florida. And uh, so many people are moving to Florida uh, really because of the great leadership of our governor. And we praise God for that. But look, we 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 cherish, Jennifer and I, we cherish those opportunities that God has given to us that most of the time, I'll be honest with you, you may think that we do a lot of finagling. If you know what finagling is, put a number one in the message slot. People might look at me and Jennifer say, they must do a lot of finagling to try to get into those places that they go. And we don't. As a matter of fact, most of the time, we are surprised at some of the places that we find ourselves. And that's the truth. Jennifer would say that as well. So see, Mary knows what finagling is. Liz Broadus knows what finagling is. So I suspect most of you all know what I mean by finagling. But let me tell you something. When you pursue your dream, your passion of the Lord, I want you to know you seldom have to finagle your way into a place. Can, can I just say this to you? If you have to finagle your way into a place, you're probably going to wish you could finagle your way out of that place. But the Lord opens doors, and Jennifer and I were so uh, thankful for the opportunity. It's not many times you have the opportunity to meet with a governor of a state and have prayer with him and his family. His beautiful wife was there. One of their children is there, a little boy, who, by the way, his his favorite hero is David in the Bible. His favorite story is David and Goliath. As a matter of fact, the governor said today that uh, what his young son wanted for Christmas was, in fact, a sling like David. Don't we all wish we had a sling like David. Come on. And so um, we find ourselves in opportunities like that, and we're really blown away by it. And sometimes we feel disqualified to be in a room. Do you understand what I'm saying? Have you ever walked in somewhere and you're like, ah, not really sure I'm, I fit here? Have you ever walked in some place and said, ah, I don't really know that you know, uh, uh, you know, you look around, you know, Jennifer and I got to spend about half a day one time in the White House and, uh, you know, had breakfast in the state dining room and, and joined the president in the East Room. And some of y'all have heard me tell stories about that. But, but I want you to know, you can go into some places and you're like, how in the world did I get here? I remember when we went into the White House, I actually called my mother on the cell phone. And I said, Mother, you're not going to believe where I'm standing at right now. And I'm not sure that she fully appreciated the dynamic of it uh, as I was feeling it. But I said, you're just not going to believe where I'm at right now. Uh, I just feel like I'm a long way from where we started. And I'm not really sure how I got here. But here's what I know. Jennifer and I never finagled our way into that. What you have to finagle your way into, you're probably going to want to work your way out of pretty quickly. But it was a tremendous blessing. But I want you to know, sometimes um, we feel inadequate. We feel insecure. We feel like it's impossible for me to do what God has really assigned me to do. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like that God called you to do something that you didn't feel fully qualified or capable of doing. 
Is there anybody like that? Come on, raise your hand up right here in the chat. Do y'all know how to do that? Do you know how to raise your hand up in the chat? If not, put a number five for all five fingers. You got your hand raised saying, look, I have had times in my life when I felt like God was uh, calling me to an assignment that's bigger than me. And look, it's not just about I don't have the resources, I don't have the people, I don't have the help, I don't have the money, I don't have this, I don't have that. It's not really all about that. Here's what I've learned. Most of the, look at all the number fives. Look at there. L Linda's got both hands up. You know why? Because Linda's saying, look, you're not going to believe it. God has called me to some things that I absolutely don't feel like I've got the ability to fulfill what God has called me. Well, tonight, we're going to address that. But we're not going to be talking about buildings. We're not going to be talking about money necessarily. We're not going to be talking about resources or people or whatever we might need to fulfill what God has called us to do. But we're going to begin to talk about this. I really believe that right now, one of the greatest wars that's going on in our culture is a war against identity. Look, we have a lot of people right now that are so messed up psychologically, culturally, emotionally, so messed up and indifferent about who they are that they almost render themselves impossible to become or to accomplish what they have to accomplish. Now, here's what I'm saying to you about that. Now, last night, we begin to talk about the Abrahamic covenant out of Genesis chapter 15. So tonight, I wanted to talk to you a moment about the war against identity. And let me just tell you something. If you and I, if I never learn who I am in Christ, look, if we don't ever get comfortable in our own skin. Now, Jennifer will tell you this, and not nary one of y'all will be surprised by this. But there are many times that Jennifer and I go into situations, and sometimes she's a little more, I'm a little, can I, I'll just go ahead and say it. I'm a little, I'm a, I'm a little bit of an introvert. Uh, I'm probably shocking some of y'all. I don't mean to shock you. I'm a little bit of an introvert. Jennifer, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit of an extrovert. See, I don't even know what to call it. So I'm 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 kind of extroverted, if you didn't know that. Jennifer's a little more introverted. And there are places that we go into that Jennifer kind of I won't say she hides behind me, but she stays kind of close to me and, and I kind of take the lead as I'm more comfortable. But let me tell you this. There are places that Jennifer and I go into that you guys are typically not with us at that I will do my best to hide behind her. Now, let me tell you what those events basically are. Here's, here's our scale. The fancier the event, the more I hide behind Jennifer. And it's kind of hard for me to hide behind Jennifer. Hey, Joyce, welcome. Thank you for jumping on. All of the rest of you as well. Thank you all for jumping on. By the way, tonight at the end of this, we're going to pray for miracles to happen in your life. But I, but Nary, good choice. Exactly. It's exactly right. And so what I, what I, what I, what I'm saying is, for Jennifer and me, the fancier the event that we go into the more I'm hiding behind her. Now, the crazier event that we go into, Jennifer's kind of hiding behind me because she's like, I have no idea what's going to happen in this. Now, if you're surprised by that, um, you know, I, you, I, don't, I don't know what to say to you, but it, it's kind of that way. So when we go to the White House, when we went to the White House, I was kind of hiding behind Jennifer, I'll be honest with you. Even when we go into times like we had today with a governor of the free state of Florida in that prayer room before the inauguration, it really was an amazing opportunity. And so, I, sorry about that. Somebody obviously and clearly uh, did not know 
not to call me at the moment. Okay, so I think I'm just going to keep on going. I'm not really sure. I think I'm just going to keep on going. So we'll see what happens. My phone rang and it bumped me off and I don't know exactly how to get back there. So everything in front of me just changed. But here's the deal. For me and Jennifer, the, the fancier the event, the more I hide behind her. Uh, why? Because I'm more extroverted. She's more introverted. And yet at times uh, I hide behind her. Sometimes she hides behind me. Why is that? It's because in different environments, based on our own personalities, based on our backgrounds, based on education, based on that, we often respond to a room based on how we feel about ourselves. So I just want to say uh, to you tonight that there is a war against identity. There is a war against identity. And so um, we we want to address that tonight. I, I did think when we were with Governor DeSantis today, I thought, wow, he, he just seems to be a perfect fit to lead the free state of Florida. He just, it feels like it's natural, feels like he's in his groove. It, it, he, he feels like, I know it has to be challenging for him and his family, but he seems very natural in it. Part of the reason of that is because I believe that he is a man that is comfortable in his own skin. Here's what I mean by that. I mean, I believe that he's a man that has a healthy self-identity, a healthy self-recognition of who he is as a person. And so uh, I believe we can see that in many, many ways. And so for, for many of us, one of the great hindrances of our lives is there is a war against our identity. Maybe it's because of the way we were raised. Maybe it was because of the neighborhood we were raised in. Uh, maybe it was because of the circumstances or the situations around our family. Maybe that's what causes your self-identity issues. But I want you to know there seems to be a real war against identity uh, in our culture. And one of the things that we discover in the Bible, one of the things that we discover in the scriptures that we shared last night from Genesis chapter 15, and we shared also 2 Corinthians 5 and Philippians chapter 2 as well. And so out of those scriptures, one of the things that we discover is that one of the things that God dealt with Abram about was his identity. And I love it at Genesis 15, 1. And so, look, let me, uh, hey, Kevin Cantrell, good to see you. Thank you for jumping on. Gayla's with us. Zula Johnson is with us tonight. So welcome. Glad to have you. I saw Leslie Daly come in a few moments ago. Uh, Lola, thank you for joining us again tonight, each one of you all. But guys, look, we're, we're living in um, times where identity is under attack. And it's so strange and so in at many levels disturbing, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually disturbing to see where people are as it comes to having an understanding of who they are. And we begin to realize that right now people are struggling over identity, biological identity, uh, sociological identity familial identity? Who am I in my family? Cultural identity, but also spiritual identity. And so I want you to know that in the great covenant promise of God, one of the things that we find, even as we talked about last night, is this understanding of the exchanging of robes. And by the way, uh, I'll, I'll post in the uh, notes in our group, in the Mosaic House of Prayer for Global Awakening. I'll post there some notes from this because I've got some really great old uh, historical books that I'd love uh, to make reference to you for many of the things that we teach in this process. 
and uh, by people like uh, H. Clay Trumbull from uh, years ago, even Elton Trueblood. Uh, also, uh, Dr. James Garlow has done a fantastic study uh, in these things as well. But one of the things that we find in the Bible is that God begins to affirm identity in the life of an individual. And uh, I, I, identity Am I still on? I don't really know. I don't know what's going on. I need uh, somebody help me here for a moment. Um, I I am. Uh, okay, I'm on. So I, I hear in the other room, I'm on. I promise you right now, I can see nothing that indicates that I'm on, but uh, I'm told I'm on. So give me a thumbs up if uh, in the chat. I've still got the chat up in my phone, and that's the only thing I can see. Okay, great. You, you all say I'm on, so I'm on, but it sure don't feel like it. But here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want to spend a few moments with. In Genesis 15, 1, the Lord says to Abram, after these things, the, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Can I tell you something tonight? It is the word of the Lord that will begin to release in your life the affirming of the word of God in your heart and life. The word of the Lord. I didn't get that. Could you try again? The word of the Lord begins to. Sorry, I'm still not sure about that. Hmm. How many of y'all know I'm having issues, but I'm not going to let it slow me down. So I want you to know tonight that even as we look at that, it's the word of the Lord that begins to affirm identity. Look, guys, this is a we're working straight through this in real time. But what I want you to know is it's the word of the Lord that really begins to affirm identity. And so we see that right here in Genesis 15, 1. And it says, the word of the Lord came to Abram. And as the Lord begins to establish covenant with Nate, with Abram, uh, it's going to be become uh, completely embracing of the entire human family. Now, here's what I'm saying to you. As God began to establish the identity of one, he began to multiply the blessing through the one to the multitudes. As a matter of fact, Abram would become not just the father of many, but he would become the father of multitudes. And so one of the things that we discover is that we we begin to discover that it's the word of the Lord that begins to bring us into a place of soulless and understanding of who we are, not just spiritually, but the Bible is the remedy for every woeful, every sinful plight of man. And so we begin to discover that the word of the Lord, that as it is released, it begins to affirm identity. So many right now are warring in our culture over identity, trying to figure out what their identity is in so many ways. But look also, Genesis 15, 1, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, hear that, saying, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Now, it's really interesting to me. We're not going to spend a great deal of time on that tonight, but I want you to know that the Lord says, the first thing he says to him, I'm your shield. You know why? Because everybody's not going to get it. Look, everybody's not going to get what God's about to do through Abram. Hey, his own wife, Sarah, who will become Sarah. Look, Sarah, she, she, she didn't get it. Not everybody's going to get it. And I love it when the Lord says that I am your shield. Now watch this. I am your abundant compensation. If you like that, put a number one right there in the chat. So the Lord begins to give to Abram revelation. 
What is revelation? Revelation is knowledge or understanding that we acquire from some source that we would not have maybe been expecting to. It's a, it's a source from outside of us. Uh, and so here, the revelation of the Lord was the exposure to Abram of his promise in his life. So look, what the word of the Lord wants to do in your life is release his promise so that your purpose might be unlocked. And the first thing he says to him is, look, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not fear. Can I tell you a good word for 2023 is fear not, Abram. Fear not. Fear not. And then he says, I'm your shield. I'm your abundant compensation. And your reward shall be exceedingly great. Now, we looked last night that, that you know, Abram began to struggle with the whole identity thing of what God is saying to him, what God is doing in him, what God is going to do through him. Absolutely miraculous and amazing. As a matter of fact, uh, we're going to look that it's probably right here in this encounter with God and Abraham that the gospel, the, the gospel of the kingdom was first preached right here to Abram. But it's an amazing thing. And God begins to say to Abram, look, I'm with you. I'm your shield. Don't be afraid. Your compensation, it's going to be good. Don't worry about it. As a matter of fact, he said, your reward shall be exceedingly great. And then Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I'm going on childless and he who shall be the owner and heir of my house is this steward Eleazar of Damascus. So, so Abram was struggling in his own identity in the same way sometimes you and I do. God, what an amazing word. Have you ever felt like God gave you an amazing word? Have you ever felt like the Lord gave you a promise that was bigger than you? Gave you a dream that's bigger than you? Gave you a hope? bigger than you. He was saying to you stuff. It's bigger than you. And the whole time that God's speaking these grandiose things over our lives, as we read right here in the book of Genesis, if God said that to you, would you not be utterly amazed? I would be. I've been amazed at just the things he said over my life. But immediately, Abram's response was, man, Lord, that's amazing. But look at me. I don't even have a child. You're talking about, you're talking about, you're talking about many people. And God said, no, actually, I'm talking about multitudes. As a matter of fact, every family of the earth, the Bible says, would be blessed through this covenant promise with Abraham. So think about this. There's not a family on earth from that time till now that has not been blessed and included in this amazing covenant promise of God to one man. And yet his response was, but I, I don't even have a child. And I think sometimes when God speaks to us about things, the first thing we look at or examine is our identity. What I have, what I don't have. See, Abram was a lot like you or me. And that is the first thing you think about is, God, that's a big assignment. But I don't have this. I don't even have a child. And Abram was well beyond the years of childbirthing. Or so we thought. But, and his wife, she's not going to, she's not even going to believe what God's about to do through her. But the first thing he began to deal with was his identity. How can God, how can you do that? Can I tell you something? I believe with all of my heart that there is a war against identity in the day we're living in. You see it in our culture. And look, 
what we see manifest in the natural is evident of what's going on in the spirit. So I just want you to know that even tonight, there's a war against identity. Do you know who you are? Now watch this. I'm going to show one slide tonight is the only one I'm going to share. And I'm going to pull it up here uh, real quick. And so I can do this. And uh, look, I'm going to do this right here. Oh, wait a minute. I can't do it. I can't do that. I can't do it. I can't do it because I can't find that. Okay. <clears throat> so look, forget the slide. Not doing the slide. Can't do the slide. So it's okay. So one of the things that I want to encourage you is don't let insecurity keep you from dreaming big. Don't let the fact of where you came from or how you were raised or what you have or don't have, don't let that hinder you when it comes to knowing who you are to accomplish the assignment that God has given to you. And you may say tonight, Rick, how, what would make you speak about this tonight? Well, part of it is uh, this has been a struggle, a challenge of my own life. And I could go through a lot of reasons why, and uh, but it's not important. What is important is that the word of the Lord has come to us. The word of the Lord has come to you. And guess what? He's your shield. He's your compensation. And your reward is going to be great. And all he wants to do is to help us affirm who we are in him and then boldly pursue his will for our lives. Now, I've got another scripture here that I want to share with you all just for a moment. And then we're going to pray. And uh, if you guys are still with us, then uh, that's great. I'm telling you what, you ever heard somebody, you, you ever heard somebody flying a plane or something reference that they're flying blind? Uh, it means you're, you know, you're flying where you can't see. It's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm flying blind, but I'm kind of enjoying it. So what I want you to know is I want to give you a scripture, and this is out of Matthew chapter 25, and it really begins at verse 14. And I'm not going to do long on this, but I want to tell you something. I believe that 2023 is to be a year wherein you recover your identity and you release in your life the blessing of God is going to be released in your life in 2023. And I want to encourage you to become comfortable in your own skin. So like I told you, when Jennifer and I went in the meeting today with with, with uh, Governor DeSantis uh, in the prayer room before his inauguration, I walked in the room. Guess who I let walk in the room first? Jennifer. Why? Because I'm more comfortable her leading into that kind of situation because she's got attributes in her identity that I'm growing into in my own. I'm just saying to you. And so I let her lead the way in and it was amazing. And we both love those kind of environments. But here's what I want you to know. There's a war against identity and it's imperative that we allow the word of the Lord to give to us the security, the certainty, and the understanding of who we are. And you know what? I knew exactly what I needed to wear today to go in that room. So I put it on, put my tie on, put my dress shirt on, put my, my coat on, go in there and take possession of the room. Why? Because we begin to discover who we are in Christ in order to accomplish the assignment that God has given to us. Now, out of Matthew 25, Beginning at verse 14, I want to read a little bit of the scripture where it says, the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling in a far country. Now, actually, Abram was that man. Uh, Leslie Daly says, did you wear the red tie? It's really, really, really good question. No, I didn't. And so for the kingdom of heaven is as a man 
traveling into a far country. Now, in the Greek there, the word for far country means uh, a distant land, a foreign land. Pick some place you would love to go. Maybe it's some place in Asia. Maybe it's some place in the Middle East. Maybe it's somewhere in South America. Maybe it's in Greenland. Maybe it's in Norway. Maybe it's in Europe somewhere. Wherever it is, imagine yourself going there and you're traveling into that land. The culture is foreign. The language is foreign to you. Uh, the money is foreign to you. Uh, many of the systems of government, of education, of jobs, of, of home ownership, all of those are variables that impact how we live and respond in a culture. But here, Jesus said, oh, the kingdom of heaven is just like that. See, here's the problem sometimes with identity. We want to feel like we know everything and we're comfortable with everything in order to be able to go. Look, the only thing you need to do to go is an assignment to go. Because Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far or foreign country who called all of his servants to him. And you all remember the story. Jesus, it's a parable. And watch, it is a parable of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus teaches from the context of the marketplace. So Jesus says to them, look, uh, he calls his servants in. I'm going to give this one five talents. And I'm going to give this one two talents. We'll give this one one talent. And, and he goes away. When he returns, he calls the servants in. The one with the five talents comes back and says, Lord, I took the five talents that you gave to me, and I multiplied them. Watch this. Now, Jesus is teaching us the dynamic of the kingdom of heaven so that as he, the master, was away, the servants would enter into this dynamic reality of kingdom multiplication. So Jesus says, the one that's given five talents comes back, and he's like, wow, I took those five talents, and I multiplied those five, and now I've got you five more. And, and Jesus said, wow, well done, good and faithful servant. Kind of sounds familiar. Uh, there it is. So he said, well done. And then the, the one with two talents comes in. And he says, Lord, I started out with two talents. And here's what I did while you were away. I multiplied those talents. And as I multiplied them, well, guess what? I doubled, I doubled what you gave me. And so this is what I have for you. The man that was given one talent comes in. He says, well, look, I was afraid I was going to lose the talent. So I took it and I buried it. Can I ask you something? What are you burying? Are you burying your talent? Are you burying because you feel insecure? Can I, I feel like we're going to break that off of somebody tonight. I'm telling you, God wants to break insecurity off of your life. And, and, and here's a positive way of saying it. God wants to affirm your identity so that you can confidently and boldly lift the anchor up off of your life and begin to make much progress in 2023 and to come into a place of supernatural blessing of God. So the one, and, and, and so look, so the Lord says to the one talent, uh, he says, uh, he uh, uh, said, uh, well done. Then, then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I know that you are a hard man. Now think about that. The one who was burying his talent buried it because of his perception of who God was. Think about that. The servant said, well, because I perceived you to be a hard man. Wow. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. And I was afraid 
And I went and hid my talent in the earth. Now notice in this parable, Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom of heaven. But the reason the servant with one talent did not multiply the heavenly anointing was because he buried a spiritual talent in a natural place. Why? He was afraid. What was he afraid of? He was afraid the Lord was a hard man. I was afraid, he said, and I hid my talent in the earth. So there, you have that is thine. Now, uh, watch this. That wording of that is a little bit unusual. But the servant says to him, look, look, I was afraid. Uh, I thought you were a hard man. Uh, look, you reap where you don't sow. Uh, you, you know, you uh, you 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 gain where you didn't give. Uh, I, I thought you were a hard man. I, I, I don't understand the identity. I don't understand the relationship. I was insecure. And so I took a, a spiritual thing and I buried it in a natural earth. So guess what? I give you what you had starting out with. It was already yours. So I just give it back to you. And so, friend, we see that scripture unfold and we begin to realize that the spirit of the Lord is teaching through the ministry of Jesus. He's teaching to us the principles of the kingdom of heaven. And can I tell you something? If we want to be successful, look, I, I told my mother when we we're driving home from the, the 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 inauguration today, Governor DeSantis, I told her a little bit about our day. And she said, wow, it's just so incredible the things that you you get to do, you all get to do. And I told her, I said, you know what, really and truly, Jennifer and I are doing right now what we dreamed of when we were 16 years old. That may be hard to believe, but it's true. We've got many, many years under our belt. We've planted churches here in the United States. We've planted many churches overseas. We don't talk a lot about all that we've done. We've pastored for years. We've traveled, uh, you know, all over the country and have been in many nations, other nations, preaching the gospel, uh, teaching on apostolic ministry and pastors and leaders and all of that. We've been able to do a lot. And in the midst of all of that, God is reminding us there is an anointing in these days that is being released to help us to come into a brighter, fuller, richer, deeper understanding of who I am, who you are. Can I tell you something? You can become who God called you to be without being arrogant, right? You can walk in the fullness of that. And so in this story of the talents, I just want to share a couple of things with you. And then uh, we're we're going to take a little time to prayer. There is Nell Vaughn. Jennifer, did you see your Aunt Nell on here? Nell Vaughn, if you're watching, we love you. Nell Vaughn is one of Jennifer's aunts in North Alabama that we love so much. And so look, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. You may say, uh, I don't really have enough talents to invest, okay? Um, so what do you do? Does that give you the excuse to bury the one you do? Think about it. When the Lord comes back, do you want to say to him, hey, remember when you gave me this? I dug it up. It's just like you gave me. I didn't do anything with it. Here it is. I give it back to you. See, every good gift comes from him. Every anointing comes from him. The ability to sing, the ability to write, the ability to harmonize, the ability to write poetry, the ability to build businesses, the ability, the ability to become a, a business leader, the ability to create wealth, the ability to design buildings, the ability to create inventions, the ability to, to, to live, live life and enjoy it to its fullest. Everything we have is a gift of the Father. And guess what? He gave it to us that we might steward it well. Why? So that when he returns, we can hand it back to him multiplied many times over and bring glory and honor 
to the king. So look, I want to share this with you. We need to first recognize that we are stewards. Nothing that we have originates with us. It all comes from the Lord. Write these scriptures down. Somebody write these down. Right here in the message slot, somebody put these scriptures in there. Even if you all are still with me. Hey, look, if nobody's with me, I'm in my office all by myself, preaching up a storm. So look at this. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all that dwell therein. What in the world is not his? When the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. James 1, 7 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above that cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom no variableness nor shadow of turning. Isn't that amazing? Every good gift. And that is James 1, 17. And if Jennifer's Aunt Nell, if I pulled her up right now on video, I'm telling y'all, y'all would love her as much as Jennifer and I do. She's in her 90s. And as far as I know, she's still driving. And she loves to take her sister, who's also in her 90s, and they love to go to Taco Bell. I'm just saying. I'm not throwing you on the bus, Aunt Nell. I'm just saying. Also, look at Matthew 5.45, that you may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. Look, can I tell you something? The Lord wants us to understand identity. We're living in a world that is losing identity. Why? Why? Why is there a war against identity? Because there's a war against the covenant of the Father. So they want the family destroyed so that there's no familial identity. There's such gross perversion emotionally, deception psychologically, that people don't even, they don't even know their own identity biologically, socially, naturally, or spiritually. And so here, the Bible says that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. So guys, look, the first thing we need to recognize is that we are stewards. You're steward. Some of you have been given the stewardship of one. Multiply it. Some of you two, some of you five, some of you 5,000, some of you 5 million. And the scope of those is just for the reference of the parable. The fact of the matter is when you know who you are in Christ, you can multiply by the stewardship of your life and your gifts, the blessing of the Lord. Here's the second thing I want to give to you real quick. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. That's Matthew 6.33. Somebody write down that scripture for us. Do you know the Bible says, take no thought for what you will eat or drink or wear. Look, the Gentiles, the Bible says, seek after these things. Your father knows you need them and, and what? He will take care of them. You know what he's saying right here? In reference back to Genesis 15, Abram, I'm your shield. I'm your compensation and your reward. <laughs> it's going to be really, really great. Third thing I want you to know tonight. I, I need to record or sell a song about Paul and Silas and Acts. Well, there you go. Let's go do it. And so here's the third thing I want to mention to you real quick. Where your treasure is. And wait a minute. That's where your heart is. Now, many times we hear that. But we don't hear it in the context of Matthew 25 and the parable of the talents. Look, here's what the Bible says. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Look at the man who buried the one talent. Where was his heart? His heart was in fear. His heart was afraid that the Lord was a hard, a hard man. He, the, 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 the steward of one was a man that did not understand the reaping and the sowing. 
he didn't understand how that the master could reap where he didn't sow and gain where he didn't give and be multiplied where he didn't minister. How could that be? He didn't understand it. So his heart was in fear. And so what did he do? He buried the treasure where his heart is. And that is in a natural place. Fear is natural to this world. Faith is natural in the kingdom of heaven. And when we allow faith from the kingdom of heaven to begin to invade the earth realm, then suddenly we take five and we multiply it exponentially, or we take two and we multiply it exponentially. And then when the Lord comes back, we're going to say, whoa, man, you're not going to believe what we were able to do in our lifetime by what you blessed us to steward. Every gift, every talent you have, you're a steward of. One day, you will lay it down. So look, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If, you're, if your heart is in fear, your treasure is going to be held by fear. You get that? If your treasure is in insecurity, you're going to be held in insecurity. If your treasure is in doubt, you're going to, you're going to hold on to it in doubt. If your treasure is hung up in the natural thinking of the mind, you're going to do everything you can do just to hoard it, to keep to yourself. But here we begin to find the blessing of identity and the releasing of the anointing of God. Put God's kingdom first with your treasure. With your treasure. The Bible says, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth. You know what he's saying to us, by the way? That's in right there in verses 19 through 21 in uh, Matthew chapter 6. So look at that. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. You know what God is saying? Don't be like the don't be like the steward of one talent who just lays it upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither rust nor moth can corrupt, nor where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is there will your heart also be. So look, living in the natural world, you and I are storing up treasures in heaven. When Jennifer and I got back today from uh, Tallahassee, I went to the YMCA. When I walked through the YMCA door, a young woman comes running over to me and she said, are you Rick Curry? And I said, yes. I did not know her uh, I did not recognize her. I didn't know her. She and I had never spoken before, as far as I know. But she comes up to me and she says, aren't you Rick Curry? And I say, yes. And she said, I just really wanted to thank you. And before I knew it, she threw her arms around and hugged me right there in the lobby. And I'm like, whoa, okay. What are you, what are you thanking me for? And she said, the other day when you came out of the steam room, you had a conversation with my husband. And the Spirit of the Lord gave you a word for him. And he began to break. And he began to weep. And you led him to the Lord. She said, he was my husband. He is my husband. And she said, our marriage has been separated. And she said, he's been living so wrongly. I forbade him to wear our wedding band. Though she said, we still live together because we got three kids. And then she said, but you know, about four weeks ago, I gave my heart to God out here at Liberty Church in Pensacola. And she said, I got baptized. And she said, I gathered with a group of women and we've been praying that God would send somebody to my husband. And she hugged me and she said, thank you for leading the father of my children to God. And she said, he had to go back to Canada to work. I said, I remember his, his name was Nick. And I said, but we're believing that God's going to quickly resolve the green card issue and that he's coming home. And God's going to give him a job right here. What am I saying to you? I'm saying 
in the earth, we can do a heavenly work. And she and I rejoiced and I thank God for her. They've got two boys and a little girl. And it was a beautiful thing. But guys, look, we have to learn to lay up our treasure in heaven and not on the earth. Look, here's what I've been praying for you guys today. Can I tell you? And and if, if anybody's still on here with me, I'm going to give to you just four or five things here. Well, let me see. I'm going to give you four things that I've been praying for you. Uh, here's what I've been praying. Somebody write these down in the message slide. I've been praying that the Lord would bless you, that the Lord would increase you, and that the Lord would multiply you. Why? Because it's it's covenant. It's promise. It's hope. Christianity has to be about more than going to a building and gathering in a building. So I've been praying that God would that God would do these three things, that God would bless you, increase you, and multiply you. Come on, somebody write, bless you, increase you, and multiply you. See, there it is. I see it in there. Leslie wrote multiply. Jennifer wrote bless you. Jennifer wrote increase you. I'm praying for the blessing of the Lord, for the increase of God, and for the multiplication of God in your life. Secondly, I'm praying, look here, Psalm 115. Somebody write this down. Psalm 115, verses 13 through 16. Now, if we were in a, a church setting tonight, I'd take my Bible and open it over to Psalm uh, 115, because it's an amazing passage. But look, let me just let me just read this to you. Psalm 115. He will bless them, and he, he will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Come on, somebody. Who, who, look, some of you are saying, if my child could just get the blessing, I don't even need one. I heard somebody say that. It's like, if God would just bless my, my son, my daughter, then I, I don't need another blessing. I just want them to have it. But you know what? The Bible says that you are... That, that the Lord will increase you more and more, so take it, and you and your children. So come on, declare that. Lastly, declare that over that beautiful little baby girl that's just getting way too big, too big for her own britches. Speaking of britches, last time I saw her in Madison, Indiana, out of the tent meeting, I think she had the cutest little outfit on I've ever seen in my life. How old is she now? Maybe three? I don't know. She's adorable. The Bible says right there in Psalm 115, you are blessed of the Lord, which made the heaven and the earth. Look, you're not blessed of the you're not blessed of the Lord who built the building. You're not blessed of the land, Lord. You're blessed of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Wow. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. There you go. What if the blessing of the Lord, the increase, the multiplication, what if the blessing of the Lord, what if the transference of wealth that comes from the wealth of the righteous being laid up, the wealth of the wicked being laid up for the righteous, what if that came, not just because I'm sitting here believing it, but what if it became reality in my life because I begin to put the faith to work in my life to produce that, to see it, to be in place where I'm multiplying in the kingdom. Wow. Thirdly, I'm praying that Almighty God, El Shaddai, El Shaddai in 2023, would become more than enough for you. Fourthly, I'm praying Psalm 23:1 over you. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. Amen. And Jennifer and I are believing that this is going to be a year for supernatural increase, blessing, anointing, gifts, 
in your life. It is time for God's blessing. It's time for God's prosperity. It's time for hope to come back to his people. It's time for those who love his kingdom to lead. To lead like we're living in the kingdom of God. Governor DeSantis today, I appreciate it. Always do when we're around him. His spirit, his heart, he's gifted to lead. You know what? He's leading in the natural. And he brought leaders around him to pray for him spiritually. He's he's not a preacher that I know of. Not a, It's not what he does. But he's leading in the realm of his assignment. And I'm praying that you will lead in the realm of your assignment in these days. Now, I want to take just a moment. We're going to take communion, but I need you to do this quickly. And that is, if you have a need tonight, maybe you have a need uh, in your body for physical healing. Uh, Deborah and Draco was on here last night. She put a request in for her back to be healed. So some of you come into agreement with us for Deborah and Draco. I don't know if she's on here tonight. I've, I've been flying blind. So Deborah and Draco needs a miracle of God in her back. Maybe you need a miracle tonight. Maybe you do. Maybe you're like the young mother who came in and hugged me tonight. Um, maybe you've got a family member. Maybe you've been gathering a group of ladies and you've been praying for your husband. Whatever it is, you you have a you have a need tonight. I want you to write that in the message slot and give all of us an opportunity to pray the prayer of faith over your life. And I'm going to post in the group page, Mosaic House of Prayer for Global Awakening. I'm going to post in there uh, the four blessings of prayer that we're praying over you uh, in this year. Uh, so I'll post that when we get down here. But write down if you have a need, a miracle in your body, your family, in your finances. Um, you need a miracle. Look, my faith is elevating. And um, I'm believing God for big things in our life in 2023. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Look, you've got every reason revealed in this book to dream big, to believe big, to hope big, to love big, and to see big thing happen. So uh, some of you are writing, let me just see, um, uh, Psalm 23 year, there you go. Uh, Jennifer, praying and agreeing for Deborah and Draco's healing. Amen. Sharon Compton, in agreement for Deborah. I love this. Uh, Linda Elias, salvation for several family members. Can somebody come into agreement for Deborah's healing, for Linda's family? Maybe others of you, maybe others of you have family members like Linda, like Liz just mentioned for her family. You need a miracle in your family. Look, you attending a thousand more church services is not going to guarantee the miracle that you need. What's going to guarantee the miracle that you need is the faith to believe it, to receive it, to confess it, and begin to walk this thing out, guys. Look, we're praying that God would bless you, increase you, and multiply you. Uh, you know what? Carol McCracken is on. Jennifer, look there. I love you, Carol McCracken. And so I want you to know Liz says family and provision. Wow, amazing. Nell Vaughn. There's there's Jennifer's Aunt Nell. Thank you for the beautiful message. You made my night. I love you. And Jennifer, I'm praying for you. Nell Vaughn, we love you so much. You're such an you're such an angel to me and Jennifer. And you and Clarence, uh, I first came around Jennifer's family. You guys loved me and cared for me. I'm thankful for it. See, the, the Lord multiplied. He increased my life. He multiplied my life through people like you. 
And so what is your need tonight? What is your miracle? Let's take the elements together. Even as you write, let's take them. The body of the Lord Jesus Christ is broken for you. Let's worship him right now. Lord, we worship you. We worship you. Let's take the bread together. We eat the bread because Jesus instructed us to take it, to eat it. Jesus broke the bread. Jesus prayed that Hebrew prayer. Praised are you, O Adonai, ruler of the universe, who breaks forth the bread of your presence on the earth. So we break the bread of his presence and we eat it. Jesus said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Remember. And by the way, the cross was the sealing of a covenant, was the sacrifice. And so when Jesus says that, he said, look, remember the covenant. And Jesus, that same night, took the wine, he blessed it, passed it to the disciples. He said, hey, this is the blood of my, of my what? My new covenant. The old covenant is gone. It dissipated in the rites and the rituals. But Jesus said, this is the blood of my new covenant. And guess what? It'll never fade away. It's the everlasting covenant of God. Let's take that together. Thank you for jumping on tonight. We love you guys. God bless you. And we'll see you tomorrow night uh, right here. God bless you.